0: Coming up on the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast, we catch up with East Fremantle Premiership Coach Nikki Harwood, Premiership Coach of the Salisbury Magpies Richard Gray and Premiership Co-Captain of the Wilson Grange Gorillas Courtney Danik. Also, there's our State Leagues Wrap with Aaron Russell, Lauren Hodgson and Matthew Cox. That's all coming up over the next hour. I'm Peter Holden and welcome to the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast. I know that this podcast airs originally as a radio program, Wednesday evenings, 6pm Australian Eastern Standard Time, on RSN Carnival. That's digital radio in Melbourne via the RSN Racing and Sport app and via rsn.net.au. Also a quick note that there'll be no Swiss Wellness VFL Women's Football this weekend on RSN Carnival due to a competition by, but we will return on the weekend of the 8th and the 9th with semi-finals action from North Port Oval as Collingwood take on Hawthorne in the major semi-final, and in the minor semi-final, the NT Thunder versus the Geelong Cats. A total of three grand finals were played over the weekend in WASA and Queensland so it's time to salute the Premiers. We're going to start first of all by looking at the West Australian Women's Football League League Division Premiership. It was taken out by East Fremantle and we've got on the line the Premiership coach of the East Fremantle Sharks Nikki Harwood. Webbo how are you?
1: Good thanks Fader thanks for having me on board.
0: Great to have you on the line first of all congratulations. How does it feel being Premiership coach?
1: Yeah, thank you. No, it's an amazing feeling. Um, worked hard for it all year and this is what we play for. So, it's yeah, it's just a, a lot of relief. Um, but, yeah, definitely a great feeling.
0: Were you even perhaps a little surprised by your side's dominance throughout the year to be minor premiers?
1: Yeah, definitely. I didn't expect it, that's for sure. So um, we knew that we just, oh, we just trained hard and just uh, played each game uh, on its own merits. And then, you know, when we uh, won against... Um, I think it was Swan Districts in the first couple of rounds and then against Subiaco, then we were kind of, you know, we were thinking that we we could possibly have a chance. But just, you know, you never know against some of those sides. They have, you know, each side has good days and bad days. So we just took it as it came. How was the
0: fielding leading up to grand final day? We know that over the last few years... um, Subiaco, as they were then known as Coastal Titans and Swan Districts, had dominated a fair bit. It had been a little while since East Fremantle's last flag. How were the nerves coming into it?
1: Yeah, really good. We just just, um, kept it like another round. So we actually, I was calling it round 19 instead of the grand final, um, just because sometimes, you know, Players get a bit overawed by the occasion, Um, so we tried to keep everything as normal as possible. Uh, We knew that um, you know Subiaco and uh, you know that side has a um, very good history in finals, um, and we knew that they were just going to bring their best. And uh, they were the the team that was probably closest to us apart from Peel throughout the season. So we knew that we we knew that they were going to be very very tough to beat. So just kept everything as, as normal as possible throughout the week.
0: You got off to a good start out of the blocks, leading by two goals a quarter time.
1: Yeah, throughout the whole season, I went back and had a look at our goal scoring and our, you know, our quarter by quarter scoring, and our first and our fourth were our best. So I was pretty um, confident that we could get off to a quick start, and uh, you know, and wasn't surprised that our our second and third probably, probably more so our third. I don't think we scored at all, but it wasn't a surprise that we didn't really score that much. Um, and then thought that we had enough in the tank to bring it home in the end. So um but yeah, definitely the first quarter I think set it up for us.
0: Both sides scored three goals in the second term. What do you think that was? Was it the case of that the nerves had settled down for both sides? Was there a few changes that you made to the game open up?
1: Uh, I don't know. I think that both teams settled quite quickly. Um, you know, well actually we probably settled a little bit more in, in the first quarter than then Titans, did, but then they came out and just, um, you know, and then really brought the pressure to us. We brought insane pressure in the first quarter, and then they matched it in the uh, for the rest of the game. Um, but yeah, I'm not too sure. I just we just worked hard, and uh, no no changes. Uh, just kept working on our game plan. They um, they had been training all year to, to, to play against us. From the you know Simon Quail told me that after the game. So they they knew what we were capable of. They tried to shut down our spread um and then we were just um you know it was goal for goal It was a shootout so i think we just our game plans just we kind of match each other very well um and then yeah just turned it into a bit of a shootout so it was good good for the spectators
0: well that third quarter, as they called the premiership quarter it actually didn't go your way you only scored one behind while uh, subiaco scored two goals one What's the feeling like in the huddle at three quarter time, and what did you say? Because at that stage, Subiaco's got the momentum, and when a side's got momentum like that in the grand final, it can be very hard to stop and try and turn back around.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, I was uh, just trying to keep as calm as possible and just try and stay, stick to what we knew how to do. We're trying to open up the game, get other runners into it again. Um, we were we were pretty poor around stoppages. We were letting um, Philicamo and Stubbs get the taps and they just would get it on their boot pretty quickly and, and kicking it forward. So uh we were trying to trying to shut them down like I was putting a lot of um onus onto our midfielders. Um and then just uh yeah, just, just to keep the run going, the work rate right up and uh, obviously our tackle pressure. So play I wanted to play a little bit more defensively and then just try and turn the tide into to our way and take our opportunities, which uh, we were fortunate enough that Cara uh kicked that goal. And, uh, you know, uh, Ashley Gomes uh, unfortunately missed the open goal, but, uh, you know, at least we, we were up by a few points then anyway.
0: Yes, because in that uh, final quarter, the first couple of points actually did go Subiaco's way, so you gave up the lead. How was those tense moments before Kara finally kicked that one from directly in front?
1: Yeah, pretty intense. I'm not, I'm a pretty nervous coach up in the box, but, um, you know, it's you just not knowing what the outcome's going to be and, and the, the whole game can, can turn in a matter of seconds. Um, so yeah, so I was pretty relieved when she kicked that goal and then, um, I, I, I played a very defensive game after that. So I think we we're up by about four points at that stage and, uh, I think that was about seven minutes left to go. Um, so I put Gooch, Evie Gooch behind the ball. Um, and yeah, and then just played a really uh, defensive game, trying to lock it down and get stoppage after stoppage, so uh, and pretty much just play down the line to try and waste time with stoppages. So it worked for us. Um, but yeah, very, very intense. I didn't watch the last two minutes because I was just too nervous.
0: I'm trying to test your memory here, but who was the first person to hug you after the siren went that that's it, your premiers.
1: Um, I think it was one of my water carriers, Um, you know, like my water runners, because I kind of um, was uh, I was in the um, the change rooms watching the time clock go down for the last two minutes. So when the siren uh, went, I actually wasn't out on the field because from the Claremont change rooms, you can uh, at the race you can see the time clock. Um, so yeah, so when the siren went, I just kind of wandered out onto the field and everybody else had gone across to the far side of the wing where the, you know, the, where the stoppage was. Um, so, yeah, as soon as I got to the, to the big crowd out there, I think it was a couple of water runners and then whoever crossed my path. So, yeah, it was a good feeling.
0: We know it's always hard to try and pick who your favourite players were in a grand final. But for you, who stood up best? And more importantly, who were a couple of the unsung heroes, those that may not have dominated the stats, but were given a job on the day and did that job to perfection?
1: Uh, I thought, um, so for me, I thought, uh, Shazzy Wong was pretty unlucky not to get best on ground. Um, you know, I thought Pisco was great as well. So I would love to have seen both of them get it. Um, but yeah, so Shazzy Wong, uh, played on a wing the whole day and just her tackle pressure and her quick hands out of packs and just quick movement by foot is, is amazing. And I seriously hope she gets picked up in the draft, um, by someone because she deserves it. Um, and also, uh, Philippa Seth. Uh, had a job on Haley Miller, so we played her in that role because uh, we knew that we could that Phil would keep up with her with speed, and also she can play defensive. But also, if there's a ball there to be won, she could play offensive as well. Um, Katie and Lodge played on uh, Amy Lavelle, um, so she played a, a pretty good, good defensive role on her. Um, we had we had a few, we had a number of players. Uh, Julianne Norris, who took that saving mark in the in the last uh, two minutes in our back line. She played on Tricia Lake for most of the day, but also took Fisco when Fisco went forward. Um, so, yeah, a number of, of girls played, played roles for us.
0: Am I right in saying uh, there were a couple of retirees as well after the game for the Sharks?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So we had um, Tara Avery, who has played um, for us for a number of years. So she's um, she retired after. She didn't tell anyone. Uh, so... She just wanted to play the game and uh, see how it panned out. But she was always going to retire after that game. And then there was also Steph Wills, number 17, uh, who plays in our back line. She's retired after uh, a number of years with us also.
0: Was there any moment after the game or perhaps on Mad Monday that any of the players actually took you aside just personally one-on-one and just, I guess, open up their emotions about what this grand final victory meant to them?
1: Oh, a number of them, yeah. Uh, yeah, and I couldn't tell you just one of them, but uh, but a lot of them, well, you know, we had a uh, 16-year-old Roxanne Rowe who, um, you know, played, it's her first year playing in the league because she's actually still eligible for youth girls. Uh, she took some amazing marks and kicked a couple of goals and um, so, yeah, it's a pretty special moment for her and her mum, you know, because there's a big, big chance. Uh, her mum, you know, letting her play in, in league with the big girls, so uh, that was pretty cool. We had uh, I've had Larissa Versace talk to me after the game because it was her first year playing in the in the WA Women's League. Um, and uh, yeah, so she she was um, driving up from Bunbury or, or near Collyway every training session. So Wednesday, Friday, and then for the game. So that's two hours away. Um, you know, so she was pretty thankful that she was uh, she got got games in the league team and uh, won a premiership. So, yeah, but a number of girls come up to me.
0: And talking about, since you mentioned one of the players' mums, let's talk about support because the camera panned across right on the final siren, which had a a big row of East Fremantle supporters behind you. What was the the, the crowd like, that atmosphere behind you, of all those East Fremantle supporters cheering you on?
1: Yeah, it's amazing. We've got a great um, supporter base at at ace 30 uh, You know, the men's the men's team, like past players and all that. For the men's, they all support us. Um, so they always try and get down down to our games when when they can. We've also got you know a lot of youth girls, and we've got the rezis team, and and having the the youth girls in the grand final as well. So they they were there, and their parents were there, and and all of our rezis turned up as well. And then just friends and family. It was it's amazing to see a sea of blue, white and white out there when you're playing a game.
0: The one question we always love to ask Mad Monday, who had the best costume?
1: <laughs> we actually haven't done it yet, so we're going to do Silly Saturday next week. Uh, just because a lot of girls are uh, work and uh, you know either have sc- uh, uni or school or whatever, so we just made sure that it was on a Saturday so that we could get a majority of the people there. We had a just this, a gathering here at my place um, uh, yesterday. Uh, Where everybody just turned up in their uh, in their jump, their playing jumpers in there, and wore their medals and just had a good time together.
0: Finally, before we let you go, what does it mean to you to have the title Nikki Harwood East Fremantle twenty eighteen WAWFL League Premiership Coach?
1: I guess it's pretty amazing, especially. in this day and age where we've got the, the AFLW, um, you know, I'd love to obviously go further with my, my coaching. I was involved in Collingwood a couple of years ago and um, with the opportunity of, of West Coast coming in, um, you know, next year uh, for their, their drafting and all that and, and being in the competition in 2020, it's obviously it's a pretty special time to be um, the coach of a premiership side.
0: Well, Webber, thanks very much for joining us here on Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival. Congratulations on the Premiership and uh, all the best in your coaching career as well as you look ahead to AFLW. Thanks a lot, Pete. Now we turn our attention to the Adelaide Footy League Women's Division One Premiership and Salisbury Magpies managed to turn the tables on Adelaide University after they were beaten in last year's grand final. This year they take the victors' spoils and we've got on the line the Premiership coach of the Salisbury Magpies in Richard Gray. Richard, how are you?
2: I'm great, thanks, Peter. Thanks for having me on.
0: First of all, how are you feeling? It's been a couple of days now since that scintillating final quarter to take out the Adelaide Footy League Premiership.
2: Oh look, I'm still buzzing. To be honest, um, I'm so proud of my girls. They've worked so hard this year, and and I'm just so pleased that uh, you know all their hard work's come to something fantastic. And it's so great for our club as well. It's uh, the first ever Div One Premiership for the the club. Um, so it's just an amazing thing for for North uh, Adelaide Women's Footy, basically in the north of Adelaide.
0: Let's take a step back for the moment. Of course, we know that Salisbury winning a Division Two flag a couple of years ago, having to work your way up. Last year, a bit of heartache, got to the grand final, but easily beaten by Adelaide University. You get to the finals, you're sitting in third spot and you've got the long road to try and get to the flag. What were you telling the yeah. girls through that training session at the end of the home and away season about that road ahead?
2: Yeah, look, for us, it was... Focusing on belief that, uh, you know, you believe in yourself, you believe in your teammates, um, you believe in the game plan, that we knew we were good enough if we had our best team on the park. Um, so it's taking that and the confidence in through the season. We've had a few players um, out of the team. We've got other commitments. have had some are taking a break after the Sandful season. We had a few injuries. So mid-season, we had a bit of a lull. But we knew that if we got our best team together come finals that, um, you know, we'd be as good as any team going around. And the girls backed themselves in and we knew that uh, putting that together with work rate would be the, the key to achieving success and, and hopefully going all the way. And the last five weeks of the season for us has been fantastic. Um that's when the girls started to, to filter back into the teams. And and we knew that we had, you know, the, the strength in those key positions that we needed and and a lot of youth coming in through the ranks as well that uh, have just improved so much this season.
0: At first semi-final, you were at home on a Saturday night at Salisbury Oval, and uh, you did it in a quite convincing fashion over Christies Beach to get through to the preliminary final seven 8, 50 to two straight twelve.
2: Yeah, that was great. Um, our defence has been the key for us this season. Uh, you know, Ash Woodland and Shay Gunlake have been the, the two bigs back there, but. Um, you know, I've got three under 18 girls in my remaining four or five players that have been holding up the back line. Um, Kimmy Fry, Claire Berry are two girls that have come into the ranks, you know, partway through the season and, and have been absolutely fantastic. Um, along with, uh, Hannah Pavlovich and, and, Danny Woods back there. So the, the key to our success through, um, the final series has really been the, the back structure. You know, conceding only eight goals across the three finals games has been brilliant.
0: You get to the preliminary final, you're having to take on Morfordville Park. Of course, we know the history of Morfordville Park. Multiple premierships in the old SWAFL. You were playing them on their turf as well on a Saturday night, but you managed to out-muscle on 5-8-38 to 3-8-26.
2: Yeah, look, they're never an easy team to play and even harder on their own turf. It's a small field. Um, they play exceptionally well. They were minor premiers, so we knew it was a hard task. Um, it was really tight through the early stages of the game and, and even um, half-time. I think that was just a little bit in front of us. But uh, again, you know, we felt that if we could hold them up in the scores that we, we had the girls running through from the mids to the forward line to create opportunities, and, and that's really what happened. We, we dried up their scoring opportunities in the second half, didn't concede a goal in that second half, and were able to, to bang on a few of our own, which gave us that spread and, and uh, put us through to the big one.
0: So you're heading into the big day against Adelaide University. What did you talk about on the morning with the girls? You're coming up against a side who gave you a bit of a touch-up last year in the grand final. What did you do to try and get those demons out of their head early and get focused on the job at hand?
2: Well, to be completely honest, we haven't talked about last year's grand final at all. Um, We felt that was too dark a place to to go to. So um, I I sat down and worked out what we'd need to do to lift our game to make sure that we were ready and improve our, our game this season. And that's really all we focused on. So when we rocked up on the morning of the game, we knew Adelaide Uni were going to be tough to beat. They were 2-1 up on us through the season. We only got the, we got a good start in round one and, and since then they touched us up a couple of times. So we knew we had to be at our best. Um, but it was always about our game plan, our strategy and, and how we had that belief and confidence that if we could put it together, that it was definitely good enough to get the job done.
0: And about Adelaide University side, who did you see as your biggest threats that you had to close down if you were to be a chance?
2: Oh, look, there are rucks. Um, the girls they have in ruck with uh, Taylor um, was a key one, Taylor McKay. She's got some good size in her and, and competes well against uh, Jimmy Sonneman from our team. So we've got a young girl called Andy Zabeski who she comes from Wyala, so she drives four and a half hours to, to come to Adelaide every weekend to play and she's only been in our Div 1 team for about the last six, seven weeks and um, through the task of of taking on the the Ruck Challenge in the grand final and and she did the main job for about three quarters of the game and it was absolutely outstanding. Um, So that in itself was a major contributor to us getting the the leap or I suppose a kickstart in the game and then giving our on-ballers a chance to use that ball. But um, Adelaide Uni's midfield strength, they've got some really good runners in there you know, I could rattle off five or six names, and it was all about us making sure that we we're either first to the contest, or if they were, that we we're right on them, so they felt that presence all the way through. Quarter
0: time, they led by five points, two two fourteen to one three nine, and again at halftime, two three fifteen to one four ten. Was there a feeling in the camp of okay, we're behind, but we're in the ball game here?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, first quarter they had a slight breeze, um, so we knew it would be tough to to keep up and we just wanted to minimize their scoring. Um, at half time, a little bit concerned that we didn't use our opportunity with the breeze, that so we probably could have got a couple and we we're really wasting disposal going forward and, and you know, if you see the replay of the game, you'll notice that there are just some panic kicks, um, a lot of fumbling hands, and I think that's just a little bit of nerves because out of my squad, there are, I've got six girls who are eligible to play under 18s. We've got three girls who are brand new to footy and it's only their first year of football. Um, so I knew there'd be some of that inexperienced nerves coming through. Um, but we always felt that, you know, if we could just switch on and, and hit our best that we were in the game, it was only a couple of points. Um, you know, uni had squandered a few opportunities themselves and definitely left us in the hunt at half time.
0: Three-quarter time, they extended the lead by goals, 3 4 22, 2, 1, 5 11. You're down by roughly two goals in a grand final. What's your approach as a coach? Do you prefer to be cool, calm and collected, giving the orders or is this, or did you find it was personally a time to, that's it, we've got to bring the fire and the passion and go for broke?
2: Yeah, look, there's a combination of both. You, you can't be cool and calm if you're trying to motivate the girls, but you've got to tap into the their inner hunger. And and that's really what it was. It was just saying to them, you know, how much do you want this, that we really haven't put our best game out on the park and, and, you know, we know we can take this out. You know, look at yourself, look at each other. You know, we're here to do this. Um, There's no more chances left. There's 20 minutes to go and you've got to give it absolutely everything you've got. And looking at the girls, you could see the hunger in their eyes. You could see that they were, they were really turned on, switched on by that. And, uh, we, we always felt that if we got the first goal in the last quarter, then the rest would follow, and, and they'd, they'd get that belief because, again, it was tapping into you have to believe you're good enough if you're going to make this happen, and um, it was really about motivating them to find that, that inner belief.
0: Despite the obvious of obviously kicking the ball between the big sticks and getting a goal, is there a moment in that final quarter, a one or a small effort, a kick, a handball, that you thought, right, we're on here, we're on?
2: Um, there's probably not a one little thing that, that showed me that we're on, but there are a few girls in the forward line that, that you could just see flick the switch. Um, you know, uh, Sophie Hoyle was brilliant in the last quarter. She had a hand in all four of our goals. Um, Shaley O'Brien, just that toughness to to have some defensive, um, game about it to keep the ball locked into the forward line. Shannon Murphy, who's brand new to football, was just in there, just competing really hard. And you could just see little bits and pieces like that from the girls who who had been down a little bit through the first three quarters and, and they were just hungry and, and they were, were operating at their best. And, and that gave me that feeling that, yep, if we can get that first one on the board, then we'll back ourselves in from there.
0: Were you even surprised by how much you took control of that final quarter? You kept them scoreless while you put on four goals, five.
2: Yeah, look, um, a little bit of surprise um, because I know how good uni is and, and when you're up in a grand final, you've got that momentum. It takes something pretty significant to, to swing that around. But at the same time, you know, I know how good my girls can play when they they do uh, hit their straps. And, you know, a few weeks before the final series, we were playing against Fitzroy and it was fairly tight through the first two, three quarters. And in the last quarter, we, we kicked eight goals to zero. Um, and they're a quality team as well. They just missed the final. So we knew that we had something in us. And um, so while I was a little bit surprised that we could do that in the last quarter, given it was a grand final and there was absolutely everything to play for, um, no, nah, look, I, I felt that it could come at any time, and, and I'm just glad it did.
0: What moment of that final quarter did you finally take a breath and go, yep, we've got it?
2: Oh, look, with about five minutes to go, yeah. Um, Five minutes to go with three goal up, Uh, I just had total confidence in my girls down back that they weren't going to concede. I could see that Uni had only got the ball into their forward line twice at that stage um, through the quarter and I just couldn't see it happening. I, I just felt the girls were in control and I didn't say anything to anyone. I kept that to myself and it probably wasn't until about a minute and a half to go that you know, we started talking about what was coming our way, but um it was that, that feeling of, you know, I was just so proud I could see that the girls were in control and they were gonna do it with about five to go. I'll
0: test your memory. The first person to hug you in celebration once the siren went.
2: Um, well, we were hugging on the we were hugging on the sidelines um a bit before that. So but um it'd be my assistant coach Vic. So uh, you know we've been pretty close the whole season. It's her first year coaching footy, and she she took our B's team, and I helped her in that, and she was backing me up in the A. So um, but there are a few hugs going around a bit before that. So uh, you know, Trish, our team manager, was bawling her eyes out. Um, it just shows how how important this is to the to the club, um, and all the girls. It's just fantastic.
0: On that, whether it be obviously on the Sunday night back at the club, or whether it be on Mad Monday, is there that emotional moment where some players take you aside personally just to explain what that actually meant to them?
2: Yeah, yeah. It was at the club that night. Um, you know, there were a couple of the girls and the more senior girls that, you know, have been around the club for a long time, played a lot of football at Sanford level, um, understanding how important this is to them, um, to the club, and, and that they may not get a chance to play in such a significant game. Um I had a few of them just take me aside and, and you know, thank me for the amount of time and effort I've put in with them and, and that they've really loved the journey. Um but you could just see the emotion, you could just feel it and um yeah, it's a special moment that you can share with them one on one to understand exactly what it means to them and, and you know, where they've come from and, and what that's gonna do for them moving forward. I know as a
0: coach it, it's hard to try and pick favourites about who played well in the grand final, but from your point of view who did the job? Not only just obviously the best on ground as a star, but those players that yeah. might not have racked up the stats, but you set a particular job to, and they did it with uh, perfection on that day.
2: Yeah, look, um, can't go past Nicole Baker, who's our captain. She was voted best on ground by the umpires, and you know I think she was fantastic across the whole game. Um, but two young girls in particular that that I thought were brilliant. Um, one is Maddie Freeman. She comes from Mount Gambia, so she drives five hours every weekend to come up and play with us. And, and, you know, start of the season, she said to me, what opportunities lie ahead? And I said, will you come out and give it your best and we'll see how you'll go, whether you make the Div 1 team or not. And not only did she make the team, but in the second half of the season, I think she's been our best player. She's just so tough for a small girl that gets smashed around the park. She was in everything on the weekend, um, so I can't credit her enough. And... As I said before, Andy Zabieski and Ruck. To to Ruck for three quarters of a game on a big oval like Audi Arena against some tough opposition, um, that's just outstanding. And and she's a 16-year-old girl, so she's got so much future ahead of her and she's improved so much. Um, In addition to that, Britt Perry, uh, we've picked her up from Anglevale, which was a Div 2 team last year. She's an outstanding footballer. She's just so composed, so balanced. She knows she's targeted every time she puts her hands on the ball, um, but she took the hits, she got up, and and she just persisted all the way through. Those four girls in particular were, were rock solid across the whole game, um, but there's a heap of others in there. Monique Hollick, um, just brilliant, work rate, fantastic, plays on a wing, and she's the first person to run back in defence to help us out when the ball goes back there, um, and then you get at the forward line, and, and what do you know, she's showing up there as well. She's just got a an engine that just goes and goes. Um, so bits and pieces like that that just some of the girls look to their they're inspirational. when you don't have to be, you know, a 100-game player or, or an experienced player to be inspirational in the park. And and I think there are a few of the young girls that can definitely hold their head high for the weekend.
0: Looking ahead for some of the girls, is obviously the AFLW draft coming up on October 23rd, where they get picked up by the Crows or they nominate for a pool in another state. Um, How how many are hopeful will be at least in the mix of being considered by the clubs to be drafted?
2: Yeah, look, I'd I'd say four stand out straight away. Um, We've got Caitlin Rosenzweig, who's played out of half forward for us this season and she's been outstanding. She bagged two of our four goals in the last quarter and um, our leading goal kicker, she's been training a bit with the Crows and she had a game with the NT Thunder in the VFL this season. Mm -hmm. Um, so she's definitely on the radar there. Ash Woodland, who's been our centre-half back, um, outstanding season. She's a tall, but she has the agility of a small, really strong running capabilities, um, which has been great for us. Shay Gunlack, who played out of fullback, um, again, uh, another tall player, but, you know, great agility, really good strength and speed, and has been rock solid for us. And Britt um, Perry, like I said before, Um, just that balance she seems to have all the time in the world because she she just processes things so quickly that you know she'll hit the right decision and she doesn't get flustered um so they're the four that would stand out for me at the moment
0: and finally on the lighter side uh, richard before we let you go mad monday who was best dressed
2: um (laughs) well i wasn't part of the dressing up stuff so i'm not sure what they got up to but um I stuck around to the early hours of the morning on the Sunday night and um, I let the girls do their own private partying on the Monday as well. So I'm sure there would have been some crazy characters out there doing all sorts of weird things, but uh, they're the sorts of things that coaches tend to stick away from and let the girls just enjoy on their own. Fair enough, fair enough.
0: Richard, thank you very much for joining us here on Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival. Congratulations again on winning the Adelaide Football League Women's Division 1 Premiership and all the very best for Salisbury as you prepare to go back to back next year.
2: That's it. Thanks, Peter. Appreciate having me on there.
0: The QWAFL Grand Final was played over the weekend and the Wilston Grange Gorillas took out the premiership accounting for the Cooparoo Kings. And joining us on the line to talk all about it, the co-captain of the Wilston Grange Gorillas in Courtney Danick. Courtney, how are you?
3: I'm good, thank you, Peter. How are you?
0: First of all, how are you feeling? It's been just a couple of days since that grand final victory over Cooparoo for the first time ever in the QWAFL your gorillas are
3: Premiers. Yeah, it feels really good. Um, obviously, a long time coming. Um, it was great to get there, and it was great atmosphere on the day, and just really, really happy with how the team pulled together and got the win on the day. So, yeah, still on a high, of course.
0: As your coach, Laura Kidd, said, you'd been there since the start with the gorillas, particularly on, on, in the early days when uh, uh, you're on the end of some beatings. Were there some dark moments where you were thinking to yourself, geez, will we ever reach the top of the mountain?
3: Yeah, for sure. I think the first season, I think we um, sung the song once in the year. So um, this year, singing every week was a complete turnaround. And um, yeah, I think just to pull together and keep building over the, over those years and have that momentum, um, this year was just an incredible feeling the whole way through.
0: You got some new recruits in this year, but like with any side, you can bring in the best players in the world, but everything's got to stick together for it to work. What do you put that down to with the gorillas? how you managed to find that winning formula, find that team bonding to take you all the way through, only dropping the one game?
3: Yeah, I think we were just really accountable for each other. Um, I think, obviously, those dark days really hurt us, um, and we all knew we just had to work hard. So I think bringing in that talent um, definitely started to build that challenging culture and accountability for each other at the club. Um, Even just at training, you knew you had to rock up and prove your best, and Um, we just all wanted to be there for the same reason. So um, we've got girls who obviously are wanting to get drafted, girls who are drafted and playing some really good footy and um, just bringing it all together, just really that hard work was the pretty much, um, I guess, recipe for success at the end of the day.
0: You won your way through to the grand final directly from the major semi-final. Do you think that was a, a, a positive or a negative, considering the fact that you had the week off so you could rest but because you were playing in your first ever grand final, did the nerves start to hit during that two-week period?
3: Um, yeah, I think there was definitely positive negatives. So I personally, I think there was a few of us that needed the week off just for our bodies to have that rest. Um, but I think the momentum also, just with that extra game, would have been good because we had a few buys late in the season. Yeah. So, um, I think, yeah, at the end of the day, it probably did hurt us in that first quarter on the final uh, when Cooper came out firing. So, um, yeah, it was good and bad, of course, but I think we still had that momentum and willingness to just put everything on the line on the day.
0: Let's talk about the start. The first quarter, Cooper jumped you 2-2-14 to one straight six. What did Laura have to say to the team at quarter time?
3: Uh, I actually beat her to it. I um, called the girls in really quick and... Yeah, just said this is not what we're here for. Um, we didn't work this hard and um, to get like this. So um, that's not what we're known for. So let's turn it around and make, make it our day, not theirs pretty much. And then, um, yeah, Laura just followed suit. So, um, yeah, she was – our last five minutes was probably the only positive of that quarter, but the first start we probably just played into their hands a bit too much and just weren't ready for it.
0: Half-time you led by one point. It was all on the line. How was the mood in the rooms, uh, in the change rooms at the halftime break?
3: Um, yeah, actually, pretty good. I think um, it was well. It was meant to pour down all day, and it turned into be um, humid as probably as ever been this year. So um, everyone was just trying to get fluid into them and um, have a good rest. Uh, I think we knew um, it wasn't over. We knew we had to come out there and fight. Um, the whole season, our third quarters hadn't been great, so. Um, We'd been working on that the whole year and just couldn't get it. So to come out um, after that, that was a real focus point for us. And we knew third quarter's premiership quarter, so we just had to pull it out.
0: And it was the old cliche because you kicked three goals to one to take a hold of the lead by 14 points at three-quarter time. What was the focus going into the final quarter? Because there is sometimes a chance where teams will shut up shop a little too early and allow the opposition just to keep attacking, attacking, attacking. You feel like you're under siege. What was that approach coming into the final term?
3: Yeah, we knew Cooper, we weren't going to give up, and um, we knew that's what happened in the final last year. So um, that was in the back of our minds, and we knew it would be in the back of theirs. So um, we just knew we had to get out quick and um, just keep working. And then once once we thought we'd be safe, maybe two or three up, um, then we could settle and enjoy it. But we knew there was still a job on the line that we had to do. So um, that was really the main focus point going there.
0: At what point of the final quarter did you actually think to yourself, I think we've got this?
3: <laughs> um, tough question. Um, probably um, I think I went off for a rotation probably 15, 20 minutes into the quarter or 15, I'd say. Um, went off for a rotation and just started actually looking at the field and the play and thought, yeah, We've probably got a good chance at this. We just need to hang in there. Um, So probably I would have liked to maybe think that in a little bit more, but I'll take it, that's for sure.
0: Is there at any stage, whether it be the final siren, lifting the cup, quiet times on a Sunday or even in the middle of Mad Monday, does it actually hit you for a moment? You're just sitting there, everything comes flooding back of every struggle that you've gone through to get to this point to go, finally, that cup's in your grasp?
3: Yeah. Yeah, probably just um yeah, probably holding up the cup at the end of the day was probably the um biggest moment. Um and just having to get up there and thank everyone and just actually um hold it up for the club and yeah, thank all our supporters that have been there from day dot. Um, that was probably the real moment. But even now still people just at work and um around the block just saying congratulations, like it just comes back and you just know all your hard work has finally paid off, which is an incredible feeling.
0: Now, this next question, I know it's like trying to pick your favourite children, as they say, but from your personal point of view, who did you think really stood up the most for Wilston Grange on grand final day?
3: Um, yeah, we obviously had a few um, stand out. I thought Shannon Campbell was through the roof. Um, she did a terrific job on Woosh, um the week or the fortnight prior when we went straight through. and. Um, Wish probably got on top of her early, but as Shannon does, um, just came out again and shut her down. So um, Shannon was probably, um, at the end of the game, we probably actually gave her the game ball. So um, she well and truly stepped up for us and has been a trooper on and off the field this year.
0: And, of course, uh, Kate Luckins claimed best on ground for the day.
3: Yeah, so Lutty's an awesome competitor. Um, We probably knew going into the day she was going to get tagged. Um, wherever she played or they'd tried to take her out no matter what. So um, for her to overcome that and learn that about her game, um, yeah, full credit to her and she just goes about her stuff really well.
0: Now, of course, uh, this QWAFL Grand Final brings to a close the winter season. is coming up around the corner. What are hopefully your plans for 2019?
3: Yeah, I'd really love to uh, be involved in 2019. Um, at this stage, I think I'll be sticking my hand up in the Melbourne draft um, and see what comes from that. I'd love to go down there and experience footy. Um, yeah, so that's that's my dreams and plans at this stage. I really hope uh, I'll give myself a little bit of a rest and then get back into a bit of pre-season. Um, yeah, just wait and see until October. But hopefully, fingers crossed, it all fits into, um, yeah, plan.
0: So, actually, what's your plan with that? If you do get uh, picked up uh, out of the Melbourne pool and you and you come down to Victoria to play during the summer, are you like, I guess, like Clayton Lash, pardon me, Caitlin Ashmore, who went up to Queensland but went back home to Melbourne for the, for the winter? Uh, do you intend to also spend next winter in Melbourne or will you be coming straight back to Queensland after? Yeah, I don't
3: know. I haven't thought that far. Um I uh, don't know if I can handle the cold, but I'm sure if I'm enjoying my uh, time in Melbourne, um, then I'd be more than happy to stay and uh, work up here's pretty flexible, um, so I just have to wait and see when the time comes, I guess.
0: And one last one, Courtney, before we let you go. Who was best dressed on Mad Monday?
3: Oh, best dressed. Yeah. Um we had a few classics. Um, probably Talia Randall was Batman, so that was a good sight to see. Um, so yeah, probably Talia Randall. We had the Wiggles show up. We had a bit of everything, which is good.
0: Well, Courtney, thank you very much for joining us here on Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival. Congratulations again on the Wilson Grange Grillas finally winning that QWAFL Premiership, and best of luck in the AFL Draft come October twenty-three.
3: Thanks so much. Thanks, Peter. Appreciate it.
0: And for a bit of an independent rundown on how the grand final went, our weekly reporter, of course, is a former premiership coach with Coolangatta Tweed. He is Aaron Russell. Aaron, how are you?
4: Oh, Peter. Uh, sad that football's now over um, for, for a year, but uh, we had a, had, a, had a great game and a pretty tight contest uh, on the weekend. So, um, yeah, good finals. Got to love it. Grand finals, good crowds. It was a bit, bit wet up here to start with, and we thought we were going to have a uh, have a have some pretty bad weather all day. But it ended up being pretty good by the bounce of the ball, um, which was great for for the crowd and all those involved.
0: Let's have a look at the game, and um, as we predicted, uh, Wilston Grays, the Gorillas, a little nervous to start with. They actually trailed by eight points against Cooper Roo at uh, quarter time.
4: Yeah, yeah, a bit of a slow start. Um, they. Pretty much, you know, that's probably nothing, uh, nothing new for their season. They've had a couple of slow starts in important games, um, this year. Um, Cooper got off to a bit of, bit of a flyer and the tail of, the tail of two halves really. I think Cooper probably wasted, um, some chances, uh, particularly in the first half, uh, where they just weren't able to capitalize. They seem to have a lot of the play, um, a lot of the ball, a few more inside 50s. And they just couldn't do it. And I think we were sort of talking about it last week. They really needed to capitalize on everything when they went forward if they was going to be a chance, um, and, and knock them over. And they had to sort of do most things right and be pretty efficient when they went inside 50. And they just weren't quite efficient enough, I think, um, particularly in that first half. But that was, look, one point, one point in it at half time, um, was Cooper I think, uh, third quarter was pretty, pretty interesting. Uh, as well, I think, again, Cooper Roo blew the chances. Um, Wilson Granger kicking three in that third quarter alone, which is what did it. That was the, that was probably the finisher, the nail in the coffin, so to speak, that third quarter. Um, Lutkins was absolutely sensational. I think that's sort of when she stepped up that third quarter and last quarter as well, because Cooper Roo kept coming really hard in the last. Um, Kate Lutkins was uh, phenomenal. Um, just, just cutting off possessions at will, peeling off her player, um, whenever she felt like it. And, and Cooper just kept kicking to her, it almost seemed like, if you're a Cooper fan, you'd think your only plan to go ahead here is, is to get away from Kate Lutkins. But, um, they kept, kept giving her the footy. And she just found it brilliantly. Uh, again, second, second half, they missed some chances. They took a mark in the goal square and, um, Janae Govan played on. Uh, about a meter out and got run down from behind. Um, just, just no awareness and and, and sense there. I think she really needed to just walk back and take that shot from a, a meter out. Woosner also missed one from about 25 out directly in front, which she'd normally slot. And she just instead of going back and having it again, she played on and tried to tried to run around onto the left and and, and snap it through. Um, so yeah, a couple of chances gone begging there for Cooperoo and. We, bitterly disappointed having gone to two down in two grand finals in a row now. Um that's I don't know what that feels like the first time and you just you just feel for the players. Um it's yeah, especially the ones that have been there twice. But yeah, big um big win congrats to Wilson Grange. That was their first ever grand final um appearance and victory, so uh since their existence. So that's that's a massive coup for them. Um yeah, Kate Larkin's absolutely instrumental uh, in the second half. Jordan Membry um, got on the board, kicked two of their five, uh, which was pretty important in the win as well, Peter. Um, but that's pretty much how we saw it uh, here at Leishon Park.
0: And what's pretty encouraging for Queensland women's football as well is that over the four grand finals gone, we've had four different premiers, some Cooperroo, Cooling at Tweed, Yoronga South Brisbane, and now Wilston Grange.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the last sort of dynasty we had was uh, Cooperoo, um, at the beginning of that that uh, that that four-way, and they they'd won what, two or three in a row, two two in a row, and were undefeated for quite some time um, throughout season fixture. So uh, yeah, it's great, great to see different teams. Um, getting up and winning and having their, their chance at it. And we can only hope that next year it's going to be a tight contest. Um, you know, it, it, across the board and those sides that were sort of, sort of down the other end, maybe they get a chance to play finals and, um, it's a tight contest again. And, and who knows, uh, we might see a different two in the grand final again.
0: Well, Aaron, thanks very much for joining us here on Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival. And uh, hopefully we look forward to catching up with you sometime in October just to get your thoughts on who might be some of the Queensland players to look out for come the uh, AFLW Draft on October 23.
4: No worries. Fantastic. Thanks, Peter.
0: Let's continue our State League's wrap by quickly having a look at what's happened in the Tasmanian State League Women's Competition. Their final round, round 18, played over the weekend where Launceston 13 20 98 defeated Burnie, just the two behind. And Glenorchy, 3 7, went down to Clarence, 6 8, The Tigers having the bye. The latter ended up like this. Glenorchy on top of the table with 12 wins, 2 losses. Clarence in second with 10 wins, 4 losses. Launceston in third with 10 wins and 4 losses. The Tigers in fourth with 2 wins and 12 losses. Bernie finishing last with one win and 13 losses at the regular season end. In the UNSW Canberra first grade women's competition, semi-final action was played over the weekend, where Balcon and straight 24 went down to Eastlake 11-3-69. Quimby 6-8-44 defeated Ainsley 2 one 13. They've got a preliminary final coming up this Sunday, the 2nd of September at 4pm at UNSW Canberra Oval, where Conan host Quimby. Time to get some predictions for semi-finals action in the AFL Sydney Women's Premier Division. And joining us on the line, our regular reporter and Lauren Hodgson. Lauren, how are you?
5: Yeah, really well, thanks, Peter. How are you? Not too bad at all.
0: Finally, after a week off for a competition bye, we do have finals football in Sydney. Let's start, first of all, with this double header at Blacktown International Sports Park over one by looking at the game that's being played on Saturday, 10 a.m. Uh, it's the major final when it goes straight through to the granny, Macquarie University versus the UNSW Eastern Suburbs
5: Bulldogs. Yeah, look, I mean, this should be a fantastic match. Um, you know, both sides have obviously had really great seasons. Mac Uni have only dropped the one game, uh, and both sides have been tested in the last couple of weeks of the home and away season you know, coming up against uh, Sydney Uni. Uh, I mean, look, they, they both narrowly beat Sydney Uni. But, uh, yeah, look, definitely um, definitely, they've had some tough games. Uh, look, I'm going to – I think it'll be a really close one, um, but I'm going to tip Mac Uni within two goals.
0: And finally, the elimination final. The winner goes to the preliminary final next week. The loser, it's season over. It starts 1pm at, at Blacktown International Sports Park on Sunday. Auburn of giants versus the Southern Power.
5: Yeah, well, that's a replay, obviously, of the last uh, home-and-away game um, for the season. Uh, look, I think the the margin will be a lot closer than it was in that last round, um, but I think Auburn-Penrith probably have a bit more depth than Power. Um, Power are getting a, a couple of key players back for the final, um, but I don't think it'll be enough to make up the margin from the last game, and um, I'm tipping the Giants by uh, also... Uh, within two goals. So I think both finals will be really close.
0: Well, Lauren, thanks again for joining us here on Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival. And we look forward to catching up with you next week as we review the semifinals and preview the preliminary final of the AFL Sydney Women's Premier Division.
5: Yeah, really looking forward to it, Peter. And uh, good luck with your calls during the finals uh, down in Melbourne.
0: And finally, it's time for a rundown on everything that happened in the final round of the Swiss Wilders VFL Women's Competition. And joining us on the line, our lead caller here at RSN Carnival is
6: Matthew Cox. Coxie, how are you? Oh, Still recovering from the performance on Saturday afternoon from Darcy Messier. Pete. It was something spectacular that we'll no doubt review in depth in in a moment. But uh, for me, that was the best performance I've ever seen on a football field build and it was certainly a privilege to be a part of the call and that was wasn't the only thing that caused uh, a little bit of excitement on the weekend given Williamstown also had a good win over the Muggers which we were fortunate enough to broadcast to finish off their season.
0: Let's start first of all by looking at the game that was played on Saturday morning between the two sides who will debut in the AFLW in 2020 it's the Saints versus Richmond and the Saints 3-4-22 went down to the Tigers 4-1-25.
6: Yeah, fairly tight contest up until three-quarter time. Um, in fact, only one, uh, two goals were scored in the opening half of football. In fact, they were both scored in the first quarter, one goal apiece to both sides. Saints were able to get a minor score in the second quarter to take a one-point lead in at half time. Uh, they added a goal and two behinds in the third term to uh, keep their noses in front, but the Tigers somehow managed to to get an extra goal in the final term to be able to take the game out. It's uh, slightly better for them considering their recent month of footy hasn't been the greatest. They've had a couple of big losses and a couple of tight ones in there as well. Southern Saints, after uh, an up-and-down sort of year, they started in blistering form, had a bit of a rough patch in the middle of the year. Uh, got some good results in recent weeks, uh, but we will be walking away from the loss on the weekend. A little bit disappointed, considering that they were certainly in the hunt for the match. But as you said, both of these sides, they've got an eye towards the AFLW 2020 season. So they'll be uh, keeping an eye on developing their talent over the coming uh, year as they prepare to head into next year's Swiss Wellness VFL women's competition. The goal kickers on the weekend for the Southern Saints, Munn kicked two and De Angelis kicked their other, whilst the two goal kickers on the weekend, Dixon and Bernardi, both getting two apiece. Leading disposal getter in this game was Drennan with 28 touches. In fact, there were three players that racked up 28 touches on the weekend. Brown also uh, recorded 28 for the Southern Saints, whilst Monaghan continued her impressive season and capped off her impressive season, rather, with 28 touches, two marks, and laid six tackles. And just quickly, a bit of news out of the Tigers from the last few days with Jess Kennedy winning their best and fairest for the 2018 season. Congratulations to her.
0: Yes, congratulations to the Tigers' captain on winning the inaugural BNF for women's footy at Richmond. Let's have a look at the game that was played at Box Hill City Oval. It was the battle for second on the ladder, the double chance. It was Hawthorne versus Geelong, and the Hawks came out on top, 6 by 41 against the Cats, 3 25
6: yeah, it was all level at quarter time. 1-1 one, one apiece. Hawthorne jumping out of the blocks in the second term to create a little bit of buffer at halftime and were able to hang on to that uh, right up until the final siren. Uh, so good performance from the Hawks. They secure the double chance in their second season in the VFLW competition. Geelong, though, shouldn't be too disheartened with the loss on the weekend. Uh, obviously, the, these Two sides were gearing up the finals. They were locked into finals. So this was uh, obviously trying to set themselves for the double chance, but also to to tinker and play a few mind games. So no doubt uh, some things would have been kept in reserve heading into the next few weeks. Beeson kicked two goals for the Hawks on the weekend. She's had an impressive season for them. Perkins also contributed with two goals Diet and Dylan, the other goal kickers for the Hawks on the weekend, whilst Darby, Darby, sorry, Mia Ray Clifford and Madeline Kerrick were the goal kickers for the Cats on the weekend. Leading disposal getter on the ground in this match, uh, it's no surprise to say Rochelle Cranston racked up 25 touches on the weekend, took three marks and laid five tackles. Madeline Kerrick, also important, racking up 24 touches and laying nine tackles. Whilst Rebecca Beeson also, or in addition to her two goals, racked up 22 touches on the weekend, laid six tackles and took five marks. So an incredibly impressive performance from Rebecca Beeson, who's had a great season with Hawthorn.
0: Collingwood secured the minor premiership by defeating the Casey Demons 9761
6: to 4529. Yeah, it was. Close at half time, 4 3 Collingwood, 3 4 the Casey Demons. Again, similar to the match that we called out there where the Demons played Geelong. the uh, Casey were able to keep in touch until half time and then uh, Collingwood were able to. Blow them away. No uh, score in the final quarter for the Casey Demons to finish off their season, whilst the Magpies, slightly inaccurate. Could have been a greater margin, but uh, as you said, they locked in the minor premiership, so that's all that they were worried about, securing their finals uh, double chance as well. Jamie Lambert, an out-and-out star, kicking three goals on the weekend. Schleiser kicked two goals. Livingston also contributed with two goals, while Bald and Malloy were the other goal kickers on the weekend. Shevlin, Scott, Jacobson, and Phillips were the goal kickers for the Casey Demons in this game. And the leading disposal getter on the ground, Madison Gay, racking up 20 touches on the weekend, laying seven tackles. Jacobson, racking up 19 touches. Uh, as well as taking seven marks and laying eight tackles. And the leading disposal will get wasn't Jamie Lambert, it was Chloe Malloy racking up 18 touches on the weekend for the Pies.
0: The Western Bulldogs and Darabin fought out a thriller at Bill Laurie Oval, the Doggies 6 46 getting over the Falcons
6: 6-6-42. Last gasp goal from Hannah Scott secured the victory in this and was a very big surprise, not only that they won, but they were actually in touch right throughout uh, the game. Uh, although at halftime, Darabin had quite a healthy buffer, 5-3 to 2-3, uh, and then the dogs were able to work their way back in the final turn to get themselves over the line. Uh, disappointing end to the season for Darabin, given a couple of weeks ago they still had an opportunity to make the top four the last couple of weeks, where they've Loss to Carlton and the Western Bulldogs uh, caps off uh, what's been a a fairly reasonable season from the Falcons. They've had a a challenging year, losing so much talent from their side, uh, and still being in a respectable position. It will be a little bit bitter the last two weeks, but I think they've still had a reasonably good year. Whilst for the Western Bulldogs, apart from that six-week patch in the middle of the year, they've really struggled either side of that. The win on the weekend. Is a little confidence booster uh, heading into the preseason for the AFLW competition for them. Their goal kickers, uh, as I mentioned, Scott, she not only kicked the goal after the siren, but she also kicked uh, one goal earlier in the game, so finished with two. Wenham, McLeod, Jolly and Sandrell were the other goal kickers on the weekend for the Western Bulldogs, whilst Tyndall, Byrne, Stigetti Sheerlaw, Mouncy and Lister were the goal kickers on the weekend for the Darabin Falcons. Ashley Guest, the leading disposal getter on the ground for the Western Bulldogs with 23 touches, whilst Lily Mithen racked up 18 disposals on the weekend, took six marks and laid six tackles. Hannah Scott, in addition to her two goals for the Bulldogs, racked up 17 touches on the weekend and laid 10 tackles.
0: At Windy Hill, Essendon, 2 5 were defeated by Darcy Vessio, 9 Sorry, that should read Carlton, 14892.
6: <laughs> yeah, what a what a sensational performance uh, from Darcy Vessio, as I mentioned earlier. It's the most impressive performance I've seen on a footy field uh, since I've been calling footy. So uh, I, I don't know whether that actually means much in the scheme of things, but I know it, uh, it was very... Impressive to watch on the weekend. She could do absolutely everything. The set shot, the dribble kick from the pocket, taking overhead screamers, gathering at ground level. Uh, Defensive pressure too, which wasn't captured in the highlights, uh, where she was able to cause turnovers inside attacking 50 for the Blues was sensational. So an all-round performance from Darcy Vessio, obviously kicking nine goals. Harvey, uh, McKay, Karras, Geitzman and Malott were the other goal kickers on the weekend that stole Darcy Vessio's thunder and meant that she didn't get to double figures, but she was also unselfish. That was the other point that I wanted to bring up. She gave off a, a couple that she probably could have had a shot if they were uh, in dire trouble and, and needed a goal, but uh, she was good enough to handball a couple of those opportunities off. For the Bombers, uh, their disappointing season came to a close on the weekend. Again, struggling to hit the scoreboard. Didn't kick a goal in the opening half of footy. Just one minor score. Hyle and Quigley were able to make it look a little more respectable uh, in the second half. But beyond that, uh, they've had a really struggling season. We know it's a, a very inexperienced group that have been working hard to try and gel together over the last few months, uh, but unfortunately for them, were only able to come away from 2018 with one win on the board. Leading disposal getter in this game, overshadowed by Darcy Vessio's performance, was Gab Pounds. She was sensational. Largely played a, a role in the midfield on the weekend and at times was coming off half-back. Racked up 25 touches, took four marks, laid two tackles as well. The leading disposal getter for the Bombers on the weekend was Courtney Eugle, racking up 19 touches, taking four marks and laying four tackles. And uh, Haley Bullis, we've been keeping an eye on her tackle count throughout the season. She only uh, laid four on the weekend, so it was a little quieter than normal.
0: Only the one game on the Sunday, which we covered here on RSN Carnival, and it was Weamstown racking up their third win in a row to close out the season, 10 a dominant performance over Melbourne Uni 4 twenty nine.
6: Yeah, real dominant performance from Williamstown, a solid performance. They just look uh, a lot more structured around the ground and were a lot more accountable, and... Potentially a little more hungrier at the contest on the weekend. Uh, Melbourne Uni looked a little out of sorts, which was a little unusual considering that they've had a reasonably reasonably good month of footy where they've been able to record some solid wins along the way. Uh, Standout performance in this game for me was not only Jess Duffin, who kicked three goals on the weekend and uh, racked up 18 touches but uh, Nickus for the Seagulls had a superb game. She had a tagging role on Emma Carney on the weekend. She only racked up the six possessions, Melnickas, but she did keep Carney incredibly quiet. She only racked up 13 touches on the weekend, which is a little abnormal. Usually we're seeing her up around the mid-20s to 30 marks. So great performance from Nickus on the weekend. Potentially one to watch out for uh, in the future if she can continue to build up her tank. It also ensured that Carney got a little bit frustrated uh, in the final term and she was dragged off the ground. So that's not what you're used to seeing from the AFLW best and fairest. So uh, a disappointing game, not only for Carney, but for the Muggers on the weekend at Tin Alley. Two goals to Greiser on the weekend. She's been uh, one of their uh, standouts This season up forward, really providing some presence and a target up there so she can hold her head high. Runnels and Keeney were the other goal kickers for Melbourne University on the weekend, whilst for the Seagulls, Duffin kicked three, Garner two, Portelli, Whiting, Cameron and Paterno were their goal kickers. Leading disposal getters on the ground, uh, no surprises that uh, Garner, Bruton and Duffin all feature in the top four. Garner, 25 touches, six marks. Bruton, 21 touches, 10 tackles. And Duffin, 18 touches and six marks. Leading disposal getter on the weekend was picked up 19 touches, took four marks and laid three tackles.
0: Well, Coxie, thanks again for that wrap. NT Thunder, by the way, having the bye. The ladder looks like this for the top four Collingwood, Hawthorne, NT Thunder, and Geelong Cats will all play finals. But of course, it's important to note, Coxie, we're having the week off this weekend. It's a general competition by similar to what they've done in the AFL. And our semi finals action doesn't begin until the weekend after.
6: No, little, uh, little breather to rest them up, I think. Uh, we were anticipating that the State of Origin game would have been back in play this year, but that's not to be. So all players have the week off, which I'm not sure who that actually favours uh, in the race because I know Collingwood, Hawthorne and Geelong have been building momentum. The Northern Territory Thunder were looking good too. So I don't think anyone desperately needed a break. It will certainly help all of them, but... um Curious to see how they respond coming out the other side. Could it throw up a, a, a few interesting results? Um, who knows? We'll have to wait and see. Uh, Saturday and Sunday week. Well,
0: Coxie, thanks again for joining us here on Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival. We look forward to catching up with you next week when we preview the VFLW semi-finals.
6: No worries, Pete. And just quickly, no guesses as to who won the leading goal kicker as well. We uh, briefly mentioned that last week, but Darcy Vessio coming from behind with that nine goals on the weekend – uh, Wrapped up the goal-kicking award in the VFLW.
0: And that concludes things for yet another week. A reminder that this program airs originally Wednesday evening, 6pm Australian Eastern Standard Time on RSN Carnival. Digital Radio Melbourne, the RSN Racing and Sport app, and via rsn.net.au. You can find this episode and all previous episodes of our program by going to SoundCloud, Google Podcasts or Apple Podcasts and searching for Women's Australian Rules Football Radio. Radio. Until next time, I'm Peter Holden. Thanks for your company and bye for now.